Welcome to the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast, a fresh perspective on AFL Fantasy brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. Now, apologies for being crook on this episode. Me and Louie are recording separate again. Uh, hopefully, the nasals aren't too bad for your listening pleasure, but we'll be back together as soon as we're healthy. On this episode, though, Louie and I have our first real chat about buy structure. We look at some rookie options and answer a whole stack of listener questions on... The Pod Pod. Welcome to the Pod Pod. I'm Doss here with Louie again on the Discord, but uh, we're still happy to be back talking some AFL Fantasy Classic here on a Monday night. Louie. You are absolutely tearing the competition to shreds, soaring up the rankings, mate. What's going on? Yeah, I just happened to get on the end of a good week this week, which is nice. So, uh, I managed to score the 2,276, which actually put me 11th for the round. So, I was pretty frantically scrolling on that last day, hoping I might get number one, get a free footy, but uh, 10 short, but that's okay because I managed to jump quite a bit in the overall rankings. Now, what's been the key to success over these last few weeks? You just have been rising the ranks. Now, do you reckon it was a lot of the starting team that you started with and you just stuck with structures or has it just been a few cheeky trades that's really started moving you up the leaderboard here? Because you started off the season, I think you were telling me pre-pod, around that 10,000 sort of rank mark. Yeah, I did start about 11,000 round one. That's not that unusual. Often it's a bit of rookie roulette round one. So. You know, you can be ranked 30,000 after round one and have it not mean much. But uh, in terms of sort of the ranking climb that I have had in the last few weeks, it's just been about timing. So I've managed to jump on Trelaw and Titch in the same week that they posted their best scores for the season, then jumped on um, RCD and Hall this week. Obviously, Hall had that 133. So and then just a, a few little rookie adjustments early on in the season has had me be able to field sort of guys like Devin Robertson and Bergman over other blokes like your Anthony Scotts and your Jacob Kaczynski. So that that's helped quite a bit, I think. And getting a hundred out of a little bit of a hold for Jordan Degoe as well wouldn't have hurt you this week as well there, Louis. Oh, uh, what was it? Wasn't it about time? I'm not going to give him my <laughs> plus three this week because I've had to crawl through shit for seven weeks, but it was really nice to be rewarded with that 106. Let's talk about our nailed it, failed it then. And my nailed it for the week is the Bond. Uh, just been a unique selection for me all season. He's sort of been a bit of an up and down roller coaster, but he can get on a hot streak. And I'm hoping this is the start of one. He is averaging me nearly 106 for the year, around the 105.5. Louis ran it up there, but he got, went for 131 in this game. He's been pretty solid in the last couple of weeks. Well, he's t- tunned up for the last four straight and he's had two 130s in there. So I'm just hoping he can have a nice run here. Sometimes he can really get hot for a couple of months straight and I just love having that little bit of a unique option in my midfield as well there Lou yeah he's going seriously under the radar with what he's been able to do the last four weeks Bontempelli only really had that quiet two weeks early on in the season so gee he looked he looked good yesterday though didn't he so definitely passes the eye test You'd imagine Bont out of the side as well is not going to hurt his uh, his centre bounce attendance numbers. The thing that actually annoys me with the Bont is they always, if the dogs are up and about 
And I mean, they were sort of struggling for a lot of this game, but got on top in the last quarter over the Blues. They always they put the cue in the rack with the Bont. He never gets garbage minutes. It's like he gets one third, you know, one twenty say in the first three quarters, and then they sort of just like sit him forward in the last quarter. So he never get. He could have gone one fifty, one sixty in this game, and they just sort of sat him forward. And that's just the one issue being a Bont owner. You're always wanting those last minute stats, and it's it's generally doesn't happen with him. But who was your nailed it for the week? Uh, It'd be hard not to give it to Aaron Hall this week. So, he came in on debut, obviously, and scored me the 133. So, always love when you can get some instant reward, and Aaron Hall definitely provided that. He's been awesome uh, just these last few weeks. I mean, and he was bargain price based on those time on ground stats. We we did sort of flag it in last week's pod. I mean, everyone did in the fantasy world. I think he was one of the most traded in players. Is it too late for people that, you know, based on my trades, I just couldn't bring him in this week. I just didn't have the cash. I couldn't find the cash. He's still underpriced if you look at his performance when he has been playing full-time on ground is he still an option you know what is he 633k now if you were a non-owner louis have we missed the boat um i'm probably inclined to say you have missed it but at 633k he does present a little bit of value still so i think if you can get up a let's say a bench rookie maybe brockman who's not playing on your field if you can get him up to aaron hall i think that's a really good option but i probably wouldn't be chasing it through an on ground upgrade. Okay, fair enough. My uh, failed it for the week, Louis. Oh, dear me. My whole trade scenario this weekend. So I wasn't able to bring in RCD on Friday night because I was playing my C grade footy on the Friday night. We had the Friday night game. I just couldn't lock away my trades so early. I needed those teams. And unfortunately, I was in, in the change rooms warming up, putting on the long sleeve Guernsey ready for my C grade matchup. And just missed out on doing anything meaningful with RCD. He would have been a great rookie to bring in and get that cash gen. Then my my mind just circulated towards, I need to get some rookies that are going to last me a while here because we're struggling to find those rooks. I went your boy, uh, we mentioned him a few times, uh, Rhino Burns. Not complaining about him. I actually really like Rhino Burns and we'll probably touch on him later in, in our rookie segment. So I brought in him, but my other one, just the scenario, the whole scenario, I traded, I had to choose one of one of two players to trade out. It was either Anthony Scott or Paddy Dow. And we know my affinity with Paddy, Paddy Dow. I just, just, couldn't, just couldn't do it. And I thought with Anthony Scott's late injury last week, they brought in Buku Kamas. I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is Anthony Scott. He's going to have a rest here. He hasn't been doing that great. All of a sudden, he he's still cash generating. Paddy Dow goes down to the twos, gets 22 touches, but doesn't get any other stats. He didn't even get in the best. Don't think he's coming back anytime soon. And guess who I brought in? Louis as well. Another Saint player. I don't even think we even talked who, who about was him it? the pod last week. Jack Bytel. Okay. Oh, you didn't in the end, did you? I got him. I got him. <sighs> don't Louis. you listen, Doss? Look, there were some goat memes going out there. I gave him the curse. <laughs> I gave him the latest curse of the goat for Jack Vitell. And uh, anyway, don't ask me any more questions about that. What that did he score? What did he score? Uh, it was in the 50s, okay? It was uh, 50s. Okay. in the 50s. I, I got him as that trying to make that cat. Yeah, anyway, don't ask. I've, I do this every year to myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I've, uh, I've stuffed that one up. I actually didn't even mention my score. I scored 2018, which probably given what I did for the round wasn't the worst uh, score I could have got. I'm just hoping hoping those two Saint rookies or rookie price players can push me through to their round 14 buy. I just hope they get the green dot, um, something I'm, I'll be praying for going forward. What about your failed it, Louis, before we move on? 
Uh, Dawson, all honestly, in all honesty, I didn't actually have one. I can't sit here and say no, that Tom can't. Powell's yeah. 58 I'm disappointed with because that was my lowest score on field. So, yeah, you no, can't I, I had a pretty good week anything. this week. You did. 11th overall for the round. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, well, guys, if you enjoy the podcast, then join up to be a member of Pod Pod Plus for an extra weekly podcast recorded on a Wednesday night with five-time top 100 finisher, The Statesman, with a heavy focus on answering your questions. Uh, you get to join the exclusive Pod Squad Facebook group as well to throw around your trade ideas and brainstorm with other Pod Pod Plus members. And it's quickly becoming an AFL fantasy think tank there with some elite coaches joining up and uh, certainly a few players with impressive rankings floating about in the pod squad, just like yourself there, Lou Dog, as well. Um, but last but not least, you also get a shout out on this podcast if you join up. So a warm welcome to the latest pod squad members joining up for Pod Pod Plus. And I'll read out some more next week because there was just too many names to get in in one podcast and you might get a non-nasally shout out with the cold next week. But welcome to the pod squad. Stephen Summers, Dermot Hare. Craig Tuffery, Matthew Sterling, Mark Allen, Ryan Gershwitz, Daryl Smith, Kyle Holmes, Matthew Dennis, David Potter, John Vogan, Mark Ackland, Troy Tobin, Lockie Malcolm, James English, Daniel Cottam, Kieran Harding, Paul Buck, Ben Powell, and Stephen Cox. A huge thanks to all our new members. Head to keepleaguepod.com.au, go to the premium resources tab and hit bonus episodes or click the link in the podcast description and sign up today. Louis, Thursday night teams, do you reckon we got a chance this week to get them? Oh, I reckon we're a sneaky chance. Haven't heard anything from the AFL yet, but... um Clearly, as we saw for nine weeks, they don't care about their fans and quite happy to not release the team. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see an announcement for when they do eventually happen, but it should be in the next few weeks, shouldn't it? Oh, surely. I'm hoping the sooner uh, sooner the better, based on There's what no I There's no reason. Said. Yeah. Forget fantasy, Doss. I want to talk about my football team on a Friday. Is that so much to ask? I know. It's it's a nice talking point for the week. And yeah, I think the whole talking point about you know, changing, making so many changes and Chris Scott's argument. Like, I understand that there will be a few different changes, but it's not going to be that different. Like, you're going to have your base list and we're going to probably know most of the people we want to know about anyway. And at least we know if rookies are sort of in that frame to be selected. And I think mainly with the rookies, if you name a rookie as well, they're going to play because you don't want to give a kid hope like that. So at least with the rookies, usually we know. So that's where in fantasy sense, it's so much better to have them ready to go on the Thursday anyway, selfishly for us. Um, But Louis, I think one of the big things we want to talk about in this show, so we're obviously going to talk about rookies and answer a stack of questions, but we haven't really, we really touched on briefly in the last couple of weeks buy structure and we certainly touched it on it in pod pod plus with statesman but i haven't really talked to you i want to get your real plan for the buy and and your thoughts around it because i know you do a lot of planning for the buyers and it's you know part of the reason why i think even your rank right now might be a bit low as to where you are going to finish so let's talk through your buy strategy and your buy structures Look, with buy rounds, first of all, there's multiple ways to plan plan the buys, there's multiple ways to do it, and there's no real right answer. So, the way I like to look at it, and it's quite simple, is that I want 18 players on my field every single week. So, what we do find is that can be quite difficult to keep track of because we've got 30 players and then maybe you've only got 18 to 21 playing each week throughout those buys. So, 
instead of counting the number of players that I've got, the round 12 buy, the round 13 buy, the round 14 buy, I actually combine two buy rounds together. So I might go, okay, buy round 12, I'm going to write down all my players with the buy round 13 and buy round 14, put them in a list together as a team. There might be 21 people there. I'm going to work out which ones are still going to be there at the buy rounds and which one I'm going to be planning to offload before then. At least then I can get a rough idea of how many players I'm actually going to have each week and I'm not going to have to frantically trade and and use two or three trades just to get somebody on as a 19th or a 20th man in one buy round just to be disadvantaged the next week. So you just really, you got to keep track of that. So with that list, make sure when you do your trades from now on, if you're trading out two buy round 13 players, you need to update that list and also include the two players that you do trade in. That's the easiest way that I find to be able to have 18 to 21 players on ground each week. And of course, you want to be moving on your red dots because there's no secret that the best coaches in the buy rounds don't have 18 players on field. They've actually got 20 to 21 and they're able to sort of get those top 18 scores and put up something really respectable. Whereas some coaches, you might get caught out with an Anthony Scott or an Alexander Scott at M8. So just watch out for that one. That That's exactly how I plan my buy rounds. Maybe that's a bit to ingest, but it, it's really quite simple. You just need to stay on top of it and have a look at where you are now. If you are extremely heavy in one buy round, it is now time to start making moves to do that. At the same time, it's round nine now. So we've got two, four, we've got seven trades until the first buy round, which is quite nice. And you've still got a little bit of time to make some little fix ups. So just correct me if I'm wrong. So it's basically down to the basics of it. It's just don't count your players that you've got in those buy rounds. It has to be the players that you'll actually be getting a score out of in that buy round. Now, that just includes the rookies that aren't going to get your score, like your, your Finn McRae, maybe you can't just assume he's going to play, or, or Jay Rantel, you can't just assume they're going to play, even though we hope they're back by then. But it's really just counting how many players you genuinely know will be playing, you know, save injury during those buys. And that's you want to make yourself a list and just update that week to week and just make sure that's up to date heading toward the buy. That's if you really want to take it seriously because, I mean, I think a lot of our podcast listeners take their fantasy pretty seriously, Louis, and, and they're looking to make an advancement through the buys. And I know that the statesman certainly thinks this, and I know I'm pretty sure you're on the same page. The buy round is really where you can make huge advancements um, versus the rest of the competition that haven't sort of adjusted and prepared themselves for the buy rounds. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Dossie, spot on, mate. Perfect. Um, Moving on now, we'll get to our first segment and only segment for this show. We're not going heavy on the segments tonight, but we're going to show me the money. Show me the money, Louis. Our top five rookie candidates based on break-even and job security. I think there's some nice ones uh, this week. We've been blessed with a couple of midfield rookies. Yeah, so um, you said top five, Doss. I've actually put up a top three. And the reason I've done that is because you want to be cautious now, especially as we approach the buyers, of trading in blokes that actually aren't going to be there rounds 12, 13, or 14. So you want to 
make sure that you are trading in blokes that do at least have some discernible job security or the rest of the competition is jumping on too. So that risk is mitigated. So that's why I've got Riley Collier Dawkins number one. Uh, obviously, he's already quite highly owned. He's also the cheapest of these three rookies as well. He's averaging 63.5 from his two games with a minus 10 break even. I really see his job security as being up there. We're seeing him at center bounces. We've got Trent Cotchin on the sidelines with a hammy. We've got probably a little bit of an underdone Dustin Martin. And what we've seen from the Tigers early on in the season, they like to actually pump games into their youth. And then they really load up with their experienced players later on in the season. So I think we'll see Riley Collier Dawkins actually play most games, I think every single game up until his bye. Far out. I mean, that's good to know. And yeah, as a person that obviously missed out last week, I'm glad that um, you're saying that so I can happily jump on and hopefully that's correct and we can sort of ride him out for a little while yet and still get a lot of cash even if we did miss out. But who's your second man? I think he's your boy and also my boy. I- I've got to say, bit of um, bit of observable thirst from old uh, Rhino Burns. He does love a plus six. He really screams for it. He does- he's not afraid to ask for it from the uh, veterans in his team. Yeah, so Ryan Burns, he's my number two. He's averaging 66.5 from his two games. He's also got the minus 10 break even. And yeah, you're right about that observable thirst, Dossie. I thought in his first game, nine marks, you know, yeah, how repeatable is that? That's quite quite impressive that he was able to do that in his second game of AFL football. But he backed yep. it up in his third and got five marks, which is nothing to sneeze at either. So I really like him as an option. I think his job security is okay. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get dropped this week, which, you know, maybe mm. sounds quite shocking. But with the Saints, we've seen that each week they've been happy to swing that axe when things haven't gone their way. So, uh, yeah, I'd I just keep an eye on it. But I do think he will play this week. I think he probably plays the week after. And then after that, obviously, you're just you're taking a guess, as you do with most rookies. Uh, number three, I've got Poulter. Uh, I think his name's Caleb Poulter. He's at the Pies. He's playing a wing role. He's very, very good in the VFL this year too. So I think he was averaging um, well and truly into the 90s at VFL level. He's repeating that at AFL level. He's not averaging 90, but he's going at 58.5 from his two games with a four break even. I think his job security might be pretty good just because I think that Bucks wants to get some games into the youth at the moment, especially with Collingwood struggling and and Poulter, he's holding his own on that wing too. So, why not pump some extra games into him? Well, in this game, they actually even put him down the back line a bit too and put him behind the ball. And he looked really comfortable there too. So, I think they've, they've got a couple of looks at him in different positions as well. And yeah, he looks comfortable at AFL level, which maybe you could say the McRae's and the Rantels didn't, but they also didn't get to play their position. So, I think that's a bit unfair to say. But Poulter certainly has looked um, comfortable at the level. And I think you're right. He's got pretty good job security if you do want to pay up a little bit more and you've already got the RCD and Burns per se. Um, he should be pretty safe for you going forward as well. I'd, I'd say the same thing. Um, I've got some top five here just quickly. Prezies from the Rezies, players that perform well in the reserves and have a chance of getting a call up. One that's um really was a popular name in the preseason before he got injured, but Trent Bianco for Collingwood as well. Um, another Collingwood player that we could see get a debut soon. 170k defender. Played his first game for the year in the VFL this week. 29 disposals, seven marks, eight tackles, and 130 AFL fantasy points. So 
he's probably one that you could jump on straight away at 170k when he gets the red dot. I think anyway, Louis. What do you think on uh, on Bianco? Um, I think you can. The only thing playing devil's advocate with that is that many coaches also jumped on um, McRae and Rantle and got burnt for it. So, uh, and I guess you could apply the same logic to Poulter as well. That's playing devil's advocate. Um, the positive in me says that he probably plays next week, gets a debut next week, one more game in the VFL, I think, and and he, he's a legitimate target because what he was able to do, his junior numbers, were seriously elite. couple more pies smashing it in the VFL I mentioned before. Finn McRae, 31 disposals, including 24 handballs. Does love a handball uh, for 92 AFL fantasy points in that same game. And Rantel, who we're hoping gets back in, 27 disposals, four marks, 85 fantasy points. So hopefully we get a few more pies breaking back into the team. I mean, they weren't that impressive against uh, Kangaroos, so it's probably safe to say they're not going to be super spectacular for the rest of the season. You'd imagine now we've got a pretty good sample size. Uh, hopefully those guys come back in for us. A couple more. I want to ask you about this player, actually, because he might be handy for people holding Flynn and some others. But 170K ruck, we've got Sam Hayes of the power. He was playing primary ruck ahead of Peter Laddams, who had three snags as well in this game. But for power in the sample, 40 hitouts, 14 disposals, 75 fantasy points. Does he get a game with Lysette probably going to spend some weeks on the sideline through that uh, that hit in the showdown as well on uh, Ned McHenry? Uh, Doss, I think it would be a 50-50 chance, which is actually quite crazy because obviously Sam Hayes hasn't played a game and Peter Laddams is in some okay form in the sand for he's played AFL already this year you'd think you'd plug him in and play him but I've heard that Sam Hayes internally and he has been for a number of years is extremely highly rated and I think it would be in Port's best interests to give him a bit of a taste of AFL level because soon clubs are going to come knocking with more money than he deserves to get paid right now. So I think Port, if they can start fast-tracking that development at AFL level, they'll be better off for it. So I'll go as far to say that Sam Hayes will play this year and I reckon he's definitely a chance to play this week. Yeah, just given the fact he was actually playing ahead of Laddams in the primary ruck slot, maybe tells me they want Laddams to be that chop out for Lysette or even maybe um, Hayes if he does fill in for Lysette. So, I, I yeah. don't know. It's one to watch so, for and uh, just L- a Laddams bit of a cash is not too. a ruckman. Laddams is not a ruckman for Port Adelaide. He, he'll always be a chop out forward, which is probably where we can maybe read into maybe Hayes does get a game. Perfect. Uh, Luke Valente, another guy that was hot on the lips of fantasy coaches in the preseason. 23 disposals, 82 fantasy points in the waffle. Um, I don't know, maybe just a little way off still. They've just got so many mids. I reckon Cher is probably only a few weeks away from his with his ankle. So, uh, and just- is he playing in Perth at the moment too? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he won't be seen for the next two weeks then with um, Frio playing in Melbourne, I think, at the moment. All right, we'll write him off the list for a little bit, but one to monitor. Ronan O'Connor, another, uh, we mentioned him last week, the Adelaide player, 170K, another strong game, just one to monitor for a 170K downgrade at some point. 89 fantasy points, 23 disposals, three marks, six tackles, and five frees four. So I don't know what that, you know, don't know, probably six tackles he might have had a few holding the balls, maybe a bit of a Joel Selwood ducker. We'll have to figure that out when we get a look at Um But Jackson Haitley had 140 in that, uh, 140 fantasy points in that game. So I think he 
he's ahead of him. And we're not looking at Haitley as a rookie option, but he'd be ahead of O'Connor in the pecking order, you'd imagine. Um, if you want those sample VFL waffle numbers every week as well, you can support um, the Keeper League pod, who's a sponsor of this show. Go sign up there and you can get access to those numbers as well as CBAs, weekly projections, and uh, those State League fantasy scores. All right. Uh, listener questions, Ludog. Uh, time to get on to those. And we shall start off with our Twitter questions. So you can find us at PodPodAFL on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram now, so go follow us on those platforms. Uh, Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast on there. Just search for that. All right. First question from Craig at Subdub. Is Harms worth the risk um, if it allows him to get another rookie off the ground? So, what do you think on on James Harms? I think we, we poo-pooed it last week. Um, we spat on it. But uh, what do you think about it this week? I'd like to see which rookie he moves on. If that's a bench rookie, then absolutely, I think it's a really nice move and there's little risk in that sort of move. If it's somebody, let's say, a Chad Warner, then no, you know, you, you keep Chad Warner over James Harms. See, what I think about James Harms, though, is like he and Jimmy Jordan, it's probably between them who holds their spot when Viney comes back, right? If If- Unless Harmsy was playing backline, I'm assuming he got a run through the mid. So I think Viney's only a week or two away. So I'm just, I just, I'm not, I don't like that paying cash up for, for Harms. I think that would have been the case at the start of the year when James Jordan hadn't shown as much. But I really think Melbourne will find a way to get those two playing together in the same team. Okay. Well, we won't, we won't spit on it. We'll, this week. we'll, we'll see we'll, though. I, I don't rate Harms personally, but yeah. uh, as an upgrade target in fantasy, from a bench rookie, I, I like it. I do. Uh, do I get the cash by trading a bench rookie like Barry to any 170K rookie? This is from the same question um, named this week or by going Warner to RCD. So, you tried to answer that in the first one. Is that what you're saying there, Louis, as well? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do, do I get the cash by trading a bench rookie like Barry? Um, look, if there's a 170 guy with job security, yes. Otherwise, I think you're just compounding your problem, really, and you're going to be uh, trading out a bloke who's maybe 200K maximum a few weeks later. I'd say if it's Bianco, he's probably the only one I'd say they'll give Worrell, him a few weeks maybe. if he does get a game. Yeah, Worrell should get a go, but yeah, there's not many coming through at the moment. Maybe Ralph Smith. Lockie Maux of our Podpod Plus uh, member there. I have a lot of players with a round 12 buy. Is it worth grabbing a premium who doesn't have the round 12 buy, even if you think they are going to score 15 to 20 points less each week over the coming weeks, purely to even out buy week numbers? So this is a good one because we've been talking about buy strategy on this pod. What do you think on that? That's a big, um, big jump in premium, 15 to 20 points per week. So... Not sure whether that's the difference between Aaron Hall and maybe maybe someone in the 700Ks. Uh, look, it really depends on your buy structure. I, I haven't seen it. Um, this week with my trades, I actually stretched and went a little bit heavier in round 12 to get Aaron Hall. Um, that was obviously four weeks out from round 12. Now we're three. It's a tricky, it's a tricky question, mate. I'd, I'd probably play conservative, play the long game and go that premium who's going to be in your team at the end of the year regardless and and fix up that buy structure a little bit. Jack James, is it all right to trade Warner if it means getting a top six defender or a top eight mid? His options here, yes. So, that's yes. Then his options, Titch, Gaff, Mills, Stewart. 
Pick one, please, legends. Cheers, boys. Hashtag it's the pod pod. Titch. All right. Easy enough. Yeah. Titch. Uh, Tom Tom DT, our rookie selections are uber critical at the moment for buy rounds. What are the best rooks at the moment that you can see playing through the buy rounds? Hesitant on burns for this reason. So we did have our rookie segment before. Um, you're standing by just those those three picks there. Those three to bring in. Otherwise, Warner should be there. Goulden should be there. Powell should be there. I think uh, Collier, Daw- uh, Collier Dawkins was mentioned in that list. I think he'll be there. James Jordan, he'll be there. Uh, Bergman, maybe, might not be there. Cozzy will be there. Sam Berry will be there. But, oh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of rookies that should be available. So, um, yeah, you've you got to start fixing them up to bring in the ones that, that will be there. Is that yeah, what he's trying to say? I don't know if it's that, or I think he's talking about players that, like we just went through the um, the players to bring in that are cheap, like yeah. Um- so yeah, probably those three. It's quite difficult with um, blokes like that, obviously priced under two hundred and fifty k, because you're throwing darts at a dartboard. You, re- you you got no idea how many weeks they'll get. I-, I don't think any coach would have predicted that James Jordan would have played every single game up until around nine. Yeah, it is It is tough at this point of the season to find those players that are coming through. And I think that's why, you know, if hopefully Burns gets named. And his role is actually quite a nice role. He actually plays kind of that high half forward, rolls into the packs like an extra midfielder. He's actually got a really mint role. And something I don't think um, a guy like Luke Dunstan, for instance, who's probably pushing for selection, is going to take off him. I don't think he's got that... Um, that string to his bow that Burns is able to do. And we've seen that with his uncontested marks, just able to get around the ground. Um, anyway, yeah, RC Dan Burns, for me, hopefully Burns holds that role for you and you can go on to him and he can have that role for the next few weeks. But I just, there's not that many out there. And, and a guy like Jordan Sweet, who we've seen Steph Martin going to be out for a week or two more, he's going to be okay, but, you know, you're probably going to have your ruck's set anyway by now. Um, so there's really not that many options to choose from. And maybe your Poulter and the other two that we mentioned, RCD and Burns, are probably your only bet at the moment, unless we get some luck this week with some green dots, Louis, and some debutants. Uh Nathan, what do I do with Houston? So he had the shoulder injury this week, unfortunately. Um, was looking like a banger pick. Nice price, all the, all the works, but he's now injured. Uh, I haven't seen an injury report, but uh, any exclusive on that one? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything about Dan Houston. Um, we did see a couple of weeks ago that he did hurt his shoulder and was able to get back up the next week. So uh, maybe we can look into that as being positive. Maybe it's negative because it's already happened before. So yeah, just wait for the injury report on that one. But in terms of what I'd do with him, I think you've got a great opportunity in making 5K and just going down to Jordan Ridley. Yeah, that's that's one of your best options. That there, just probably. that seems the simplest to me, unless you've got some money there to you know spend up and get a guy who maybe is a little bit better than Ridley, but it's a good opportunity to do it. Doug Fitzpatrick, he's got a trade um, a trade to talk about here, and he wants to know if we do this trade now. It is Errol Golden and Jack Zebel out for Rory Sloan and Ridley, your boy there. Um, so. The thing that he's talking about, this leaves him with Bergman as rookie and backline uh, and mid with six 100 players. Oh, gee, it's, it's hard to read that one, mate. Sorry, but um, you wouldn't be trading Zebel, would you? 
No, that um, that trade just sort of seems like you're going sideways with the first one because Sloan's not going to be in your completed side most likely. And uh, with the other one, you're just going plain backwards, I think. Sorry, I just got my dog giving me grief. <laughs> no, that's all right, mate. Um, and I think maybe, I guess if that's talking about um, Jack Zebel being injured, is that what maybe you'd be trading there? But he came back on the ground, so I think he'll be fine. Um, yeah, I, I thought Zebel was fine from that. I did see it, but he, he came back on the ground. Yeah, so just keep an eye on that, Doug. But that seems a little bit, yeah, sidewaysy for us, I think. Both of us are in the same book there. Uh, Dylan, Golden and Campbell for Parrish and Owies. Do you tick that one off? No, you, you've missed the boat on Parrish now. So, Shield and Coldwell will be back. Um, I think Shield will be first and then Coldwell a few weeks after that. So, you do have time for Parrish to keep scoring like he is, but we have to remember that Parrish was 570k about four weeks ago when that role sort of opened up in that midfield. And now it, now it's really hard. It, it's like chasing points there, I think. Lex Turnbull, if Houston is out, I'm looking at him and a rookie to two mid-prices, Rosie and Harms. What do we think? Um, doesn't want us to tell his league mate, Roland, what he's doing there because he wants to get an upper hand on there. So I uh, shouldn't have said that, but uh, what do you reckon on that? Rosie and Harms there, Louis. Um, look, I'm probably not as against it as what many would think. Um, depending on the situation he's in, he's actually got a real point of difference move there and potentially is going to sort of spread his points out a little bit further than what he would have with Houston and a rookie. Uh, yeah, I don't mind it. Just be mindful that obviously you've got Rosie with the round 12 buy, but these are two blokes who are not going to be in your team at the end of the year, presumably. And, and uh, and just that sometimes you can get stuck with them. Uh, we've seen some blokes, they can't trade out Tex. I mean, I haven't been able to trade out Jordan Degoe for two months now. So, um, <laughs> just just be mindful of that. But no, I, I don't actually mind that move. Lippers123, when doing the one-up, one-down strategy, do you have a price point where you decide who goes up and who you should be upgrading, e.g. 400k, etc.? That's a really good question. Um, I've never really thought about it, to be honest. Um, I guess it sort of works both ways anyway, whether you go from a 600K down and then 200 up. So, um, I sort of tend to do my one up, one down strategy based around who plays first. So, at least I can, with this rolling lockout, if someone plays on the Friday... I can lock in that trade as my downgrade, regardless if it's a 400k guy or a 200k guy, and then I'll I'll wait on my second trade and I'll do that when I have to. So no, I don't I don't really take preference in what price they're at, just sort of who plays first. I tend to also just the break even. I mean, as well, you know, if if a player's just got a way higher break even and they're unlikely to achieve it and they're going to start dropping in price, is that what he's meaning as well? Sort of, it's more if they're if they're still going to be rising in price when you dump that one one up, one down. So, you know, like a golden, a golden versus a um, a Warner, you're going to jump off Golden first because his break-even is way higher and he's stopped his cash gen. Yep, is that yep. also what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, so that that's the other obvious one. Once you start seeing red in terms of losing cash, then, yeah, it's uh, watch the break-even because sometimes they can just lose a couple of K and you can hold them for a couple of weeks, but it's time to move them on once that break-even gets far too high. 
Frio girl, how long is too long to keep holding on to Flynn? He's stalling upgrades and it's easy to take him down to a rookie via DPP and another rookie up to an uber midfielder. Uh, well, as long as you don't have a rookie R2, which I assume you don't if you're holding Flynn, um, now's the time to get rid of him. He is Deadwood in R3. Uh, he could come back in the next couple of weeks, but... Really, we've seen that Mumford is the number one man. If he does come back, he probably plays two games before the bye, maybe one. They've only got three weeks now. After that, Bruce is fit. So, yeah, it's probably time to move on, Flynn. You're not missing anything, and especially if you can't get him on field anyway. You're really just holding him for the sake of maybe 30K when, at least in my example, I traded him three weeks ago and I've made probably 150 to 200K in that time frame. So, you know, sometimes you get stuck in thinking that, oh, no, if I trade this guy a week early, I'm going to lose, you know, 20K. So, for me, that was probably Cozzy last week I was considering it. Don't get caught up in that at all because at the end of the day, these guys are rookies and you, often you can make more money jumping onto another one or you'll be better off jumping onto a premium regardless. So, yeah, time to move on. Matthew Covino, what's more important, trade non-playing rookies to scoring ones or getting players with a low break-even and a good role from a rookie that is a chance to play, like Brockman, for example? Early trades are Zach Williams to Harms and Brockman to Rowbottom, but he has uh, sorry Finn McRae and Highmore on his bench. So does this come back to Statesman's number one rule, which is rule effing one, uh, which is fix your red dots? Um if you're listening to Pod Pod Plus, that's that's his main goal is fix red dots and get them off the field. Are you on the same boat as Stato in that regard? Um, I'm not as hard on it as what Stato is during the year, but now that we're this close to the buy rounds, um, I'm right there with him. So you, you've got to start fixing up your red dots or um, really sort out which players you can foreseeably see playing in the next couple of weeks because I know we want to trade out a high more. I actually am this week, most likely. But, and Brockman, he's used in his own example. These guys are close too. So, um, keep an eye on team sheets. Hopefully, we'll get Thursday night uh, team sheets this week. Yeah, so it, it is It is important to get rid of those non-playing rookies, but it does depend on your situation in particular. And with a Zach Williams to a Harms, they've both got risk. Would you, st- you, you've been high on Zach Williams, but he has been atrocious this season. I reckon Paddy Dow was more influential last week than Zach Williams was this week. Um, you still, you still reckon he's going to be all right at some point this year and to owners. Now that you've gone this, this far, is it almost to the point of the Jordan Degoe holders, which, which you held and it finally paid off this week. Does, does Zach Williams' owners just stay strong for a while now? Yeah, so I die on this hill, Doss. I think Zach Williams is a really good fantasy player. <laughs> and <laughs> Unfortunately, um, there's been some teething issues. Uh, he's at Carlton, which probably um, historically haven't been the most... Um, not welcoming, but they probably haven't been able to get their recruits to slot in as nicely as what... Um, they'd have liked. So I'll use Mitch McGovern as probably the main example there. Uh, so yeah, this year, obviously it's not the same old Zach Williams we saw at GWS, but I do think as long as he's got that, even if he's got the defensive role, I think once Zach Williams clicks, he will average 80. It's just when that happens. So look, you, you do have to hold, unfortunately for now, if you've still got him and 
I assume if you've still got him, you held him for, I think he's missed two games already. So uh, you're not gaining anything trading him now. A bit like my Jordan Dugowie trade, you're just going to have to park him in the garage and bring him out when he's ready to play again. <laughs> uh, Brady Beer, he's got thoughts on James Harms. So Harms, he must be a hot name in fantasy circles this week. And I've got to say, um, I don't usually stick to a huge stance uh, one way or another. Sometimes I do. And this is one where I'm just like, nah, I'm not I'm not about Harmsy. I'm just, I'm putting it out there. I'm not about going and chasing Harmsy. Um, I think you're more open to the idea, but I just want to put it out there. I'm not on the Harms train. I'm not about it. I don't want to get involved and uh, I'm definitely not boarding the, the train. So I just want to put that out there for myself. And Louis, he's sort of, he's got one foot on the train. He's sort of, He's almost jumping on, but I don't think he's really that There's a means to do it. There's a means to do it. I didn't like trading in Aaron Hall last week at all. It it paid off, obviously, but the reason that I justified it is that I was moving on a bloke that wasn't playing on my bench to Aaron Hall. So anything I received, even if that were a 60, was actually a positive. So if that's the way you're getting James Harms, then I don't mind it at all. There's enough reasoning to suggest that he can average sort of 85 in the role that he's got. But it is James Harms. He's not yep. good at football. I'll just say, if, he, if, he's, <laughs> if he's in the midfield, if the reason you're picking him is because he's got that midfield clock, just think again because I don't think he'll – like, Viney's going to take it off him. So, that's what I'd just say. I didn't see the game. If he got that off half back and he was looking good, then then go ahead. But if he was I, playing I, midfield and he I got I disagree that, with that, Doss. Um, the messaging has been that Harms will play midfield throughout that whole preseason and that him playing defence was basically a fail. That's been admitted. So – um, yeah, may- maybe you are right and they have changed their mind, but I, w- I would actually keep a close eye on it. I think he will play midfield. All right, Paul, is a double downgrade this week too dangerous? I prefer the one up, one down, but I'm cashed out and need cash gen. Not much on the horizon, though, by the looks of it. So, we, I mean, Louis only had three in, uh, in uh, show me the money, uh, our famous segment there. So, what do you think a double downgrade? I mean, depends on who you've got, doesn't it? I mean, RCD and Burns, you'd be happy double downgrading to those two. But if you've already got one or both, then maybe not. Yeah, this is it. It's the thing about a double downgrade that makes it so dangerous is that you're trading in two blokes with unknown job security. So, you 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 could be wasting two trades just to to throw two trades away, you know, four weeks from now because those blokes ended up playing one game. So you got to be careful with it. Um, those three rookies that I listed in that top five, which was actually a top three, I would be confident in double downgrading to this week. Uh, mostly because looking into the crystal ball, I'm not sure we're going to get a whole heap of debutants before the buy. Kyle, can James Robottom keep this up and have a breakout year in the mids? And is he an option as as another sort of awkwardly priced kind of a Harmsy style priced player that we could jump on at the moment with Robottom looking to have taken a fair few CBAs and he is looking like a really nice option as a player. But uh, what do you think on Robottom? Yeah, I don't mind it. Um I probably want to see this is someone that you got to jump on early. It's got to be this week if you're really keen on James Rowbottom. I think that he's probably too inside for my liking. Um, Swans are probably playing a little bit out of their skin at the moment. He's also fresh playing up against bodies that have been banged up for six or seven rounds prior to that. Uh, look, I like James Rowbottom. I think he's, he's a good 
football player, uh, but he's probably not the bloke that I want to be taking a risk on in fantasy at this point in the season. Uh, this one from Wiskin. Uh, Duncan or Guthrie as a pod, 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 as a point of difference on the Point of Difference podcast. Oh, Duncan's the sexier pick, but Guthrie is probably the the uh, more likely to stay out on the park and average thereabouts the same, maybe a few points less. Uh, I would probably, for the name factor, just go Duncan. Yeah, and you know my answer is Duncan. I just love the way he well, goes about it. The thing it. about being worried about players that are injury prone is that if that's your mindset, you can't actually ever really bring them in because each week you wait, if you think you're right in that they are injury prone, each week that you wait, the chances are just increasing for them to get injured. So, <laughs> it's always a bit weird when people wait, oh, I just want to see if he can stay fit for three weeks. Well, if he stayed fit for three weeks and he's an injury prone player, there's actually a greater chance that he's going to get injured while he's in your team. So, I, I don't mind going early and bringing in guys like that. Also wants to know what to do with Zach Williams. We've answered that. That's just stay strong for the moment as gross as it has been. Uh, the franchise simply asks, Dacos, what do we think on Dacos? Oh, I want to see a bit more. Uh, Collingwood are clearly changing things up, trying to find their identity at the moment. Um, it was a must-win game on the weekend and he got a 73. I think he had a bit of gastro. Look, he, he's not really screaming pick me at the moment. If he can put up a nice score with a nice roll this upcoming week against a little bit better opposition, then I'd, li- I'd like to see that. Stuart Ward, how many first round buy players are too many considering right now they are the value buyers like Hall and Kelly, etc.? Also, how concerned should we be on Caleb's Caleb Daniels' role fluctuations. I'll take the Caleb question. You take the first one on how many first-round buy players are too many. Um, how many first-round buy players are too many? Uh, as soon as you've got less than probably 19 in another different buy round, I would say it's too many. So, um, whatever that works out to be, just use the advice I gave earlier in the pod where you create your team for each buy round and figure out what your team looks like. And um, if you're not able to field a team or a respectable team in round 12, then you've got your answer. So, and the Caleb Daniel side of things, he was playing as a forward for, I think it was about three quarters. I think someone put out on the Twitter sphere uh, the stats where he basically, you should have said his stats were ridiculously low for three quarters. They were pretty gross. Um, all of a sudden, they swing him more to be that free defender behind the ball, 11 disposals, five score involvements in the last quarter as a defender and 45 AFL fantasy points in that last term. Just keep him behind the ball. He genuinely has been bevoed back and forth this year. So I'm, I'm hoping, Stuart, that, uh, that what how concerned we should be. We should be concerned because as a forward or a wingman or whatever else he plays, he can't score. Um, he's, he's shown that he can't do that. So as a defender, we know how awesome he can be. Let's just hope that he stays there. But I think Bevo's recent comments on uh, – he had a press conference. It was like, oh, you know, we'll we'll figure out how what we're doing with him. He's he's going back and forth. Uh, it doesn't sound promising, really. Um, I'd be concerned as a non-owner. But as an owner, we just hope that he gets back in there. And he is cheap for non-owners too, so can't be too concerned. Uh, Michael Bellardi looking to get Harms in for Golden this week and for my other trade. Should he go Brockman to Owies or Berry to – Poulter have other cash cows but want them to fatten up more 
I uh, wouldn't be going to Harms from Golden. I think that's um, it's only a small jump, small step. I you think are he's getting doing a rookie. That. He's just wondering field, about his other trade. I think um, his other trade. Yeah, look, Brockman to always or Barry to Poulter. I probably prefer Brockman to always, just based on the fact that Brockman's not playing at the moment. But if Barry's not named, then I do like Barry to Poulter more. Right, Paul Erickson, why do all the good pre-buy upgrade options have the round 12 buy? Oh, isn't it ridiculous? I've been racking my brain all week. Obviously, I did end up landing on Aaron Hall with the round 12 buy anyway. But yeah, anybody that was um, worth looking at this week just didn't have a very good buy round. And a final question here from Dylan Dunlop uh, from the Pod Pod Plus uh, Pod Squad group here. He put it in early, so I'll chuck it in the main podcast. He's a massive Eagles fan, so he's trying to take his biased hat off. But is Tim Kelly worth a go? He's cheap at 696K. His last two weeks have been good. He's only had one bad score when we got slapped by Geelong. I say we because I'm also a West Coast fan. Um, and they've got Adelaide at home and seems to be the main guy along with Sheed. So he's also happy to be part of the pod squad, part of the Facebook group. So thanks very much, Dill. Uh, what do you think on Tim Kelly, Louis? Yes. Yeah, firstly, thanks for signing up, Dill. Um yeah, Tim Kelly uh, is a really left field option, and I was actually looking at it earlier today. I, I like it. 696K is very cheap for a guy that I'm fairly confident can average 105 at least in the West Coast system. Um, the only concern I would have with Tim Kelly is that he's the main man in that midfield right now, and thus he's going to be the first target for a tag. So. There may be some weeks where you see that he dishes you up a pretty average 70 to an 80, but at the same time, I think, especially in that derby, we saw a 140, so he's he's definitely got the ceiling. He's, he's a player that does fill most stat lines, very good kick of the footy, finds the footy in the midfield, marks, tackles, is able to hit the scoreboard. So, no, I, I do like Tim Kelly as a point of difference. Uh, the only thing with point of differences is that when they go well, uh, you come out smelling very rosy. If it does go poorly, unfortunately at 700k, um, that ends up being a little bit of a waste of money because only maybe 1% of the competition has him and, and you're forced to use up another trade. Others don't. Yeah, here's a player that can get on hot streaks too, which I do like about jumping on someone uh, for a few weeks and see how it goes. But you do want to hold him for seasonal as well if you are getting him at this point. So risky, but don't mind it, Dill. And uh, Louis ticking it off as well by the sounds of things, uh, although he does do it with a bit of caution. Hey, Louis, can you just take off this last bit of the pod and do the wrap up because my voice is literally going. But we are getting those iTunes ratings and reviews coming in on iTunes and we do appreciate those. So, Louis, can you read out a few iTunes reviews and then wrap this up? Yeah, so I'm not sure if this is a stitch up, Doss, but first up, we've got Huge Anus. Um, <laughs> thirsty for okay. the pod pod. Okay. I did not know that was there. I no, didn't even he- read that. <laughs> That's okay. He, he, he's rated it five stars. Thanks for that, mate. I've got observable thirst for the pod, pod, pod. Love the content and advice. Uh, more Shawnee Darcy talk. So, I'll, I'll leave that one up to you, Dossie. Uh, five stars from Kane Baker. Solid, great insights from very smooth operators. That's very kind of you, Kane. And uh, thirdly, we got Mum's Lasagna. Five stars. 
God tier, great all-round fantasy advice with some interesting takes from Doss, who never fails to make you laugh. Louis makes some great calls and Statesman is the old head that brings some common sense to the pod pod. Love it. Thank you very much, Mum's Lasagna. Really appreciate your ratings, guys. Obviously, uh, keep getting them in. You may be able to get a size 12 pair of career savers signed by yours truly, Dossie. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Um, we'll hopefully next week be back in the same room, Louie. I did say that last week, but again, the second wave of the crookness uh, hit us. We don't have the Rona, though, so we're all clear of that. But uh, we will hopefully see you in the same house next week, Louie, for a nice, crisp recording. Can't wait, mate. Farewell. Farewell.